Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. message that I have titled, and it is Vision Sunday, I have titled this message Centered on Jesus. And really our vision for 2021 is really that simple. It's, it's, I mean, it's got a little bit more elements to that, but as far as just remembering what is Prevail all about, especially in 2021, um, it's this theme that we have that I believe the Lord gave me for this year is centered on Jesus. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to come up with something clever and classic and something memorable that you could throw on a t-shirt that people be like, oh my God, that's, that's incredible. And, uh, and I came up with some good stuff. I thought I did anyways. And then the Lord just was like, nope. I want it to keep it really simple, and I want everything to be centered on Jesus. Somebody say centered on Jesus. See, here's the thing. Um, so this, this last year, last, tw- the last year in 2020, we saw God do a lot of things in this church. We, we experienced uh, some, some, some pretty significant changes when it comes to uh, prevail. And some of it, um, really, it was a lot of it was just hearing God and responding and believing that God would take care of the rest. And when I tell you, he showed up and he showed out. Man, it was incredible, an incredible year. I don't look back at 2020, although there was some crazy stuff that happened. We can all, you know, it was election year, crazy, good my cray cray. It's still a little crazy. I'm just waiting for the 20th to get here and let's get on through it. You know what I'm saying? Let's handle this business and move on. Uh, but, um, but here's the thing. I, um, even though it was a crazy year in, in some aspects, man, we saw God do some amazing things last year. And I felt like last year God was really just kind of stabling the boat. While, while, while there was a lot of chaos happening in the world, I felt like God was stabling Prevail Church. He was bringing us back to his original intent, to the heart of worship, really getting us back to, to this place of where we were pr- pressing for something greater, but we were content with where he, was, where he had us. And, 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 and I think it was, it was, it was, it was I won't say pointless, it was, it was on point to do it that way because you guys don't even know this, but there was a time in the past where I worked my behind off. Ask my wife. I spent time at a time working and working and working, trying, and it wasn't because I loved doing the church. 
or, or you know, it, it wasn't because... It wasn't because I just loved God and I just wanted to serve. It was really because I felt like I needed to work so I could get in, you know, get, that God would approve and he was somehow blessed when I put my best foot forward all the time. I always felt like sometimes that, that I couldn't, I really couldn't see what God wanted to do in my life. And, and, and so if, if, if things didn't go right, if, you know, two years ago, if, if this room would have been like this two, two or three years ago, I would have gone home and be half depressed and sad and judging myself and saying, I'm no good and, and this and that and obviously God don't love me and blah, blah, blah. This is what I came from. But last year, I felt like God, he, he, he steadied the, the boat. And last year, God was like, you know what? I just want to see where you're at. I just want to see where you're at. And you know, last year, I was content. I had plenty of prayers when I told God, thank you for what you're doing. I'm just excited. I'm excited for the, the families that do come in, the folk that do that, that do make it to uh, on, on Sunday morning. I'm excited about the, the, the hundreds of people that watch online throughout the week. I'm excited about it all. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you that you're advancing the gospel through Prevail. And it was the, really last year was the first year in my life where I felt content with ministry, content that God was doing what he wanted to do and I didn't have to do any more work to be further approved by him. That he fully approved me and I was on his time, not my time. I'm on his schedule, not my schedule. Amen? Well, people say, well, you're just making an excuse. You're just making an excuse and, you know, blah, blah, blah. No. When God spoke, I heeded the call. Last year when he, when he would say to do it, I did it. When the pandemic hit, I said, Lord, what you want to do with prevail? He said, go get a building. I said, you crazy. But I'm with you, bro. <laughs> you crazy. But let's do this. We got a building. And look at what God has done. Yesterday I was over here uh, doing some stuff and, and these people walked in and they said, oh my God, this is really cool. And it's so cool to see that a church is still functioning in the middle of a pandemic. You know why? Because they're closing doors left and right. And people are, people are backing down from their faith. They're not believing that God can. And I don't understand it because we're people of faith. I'm not going to get in that argument with folks right now, but you know what I'm saying. So last year, I just feel like God did some great things. But as I begin to ask God about 2021, it's like, God, I, I know you want to do more. I know there's something greater, and, I, and, and I'm ready for whatever it is that you want to do. And, and, and as I begin to go, and, and I was dreaming about this, and wanting to start this, and do this, and God said, no, I want everything to be centered on Jesus. Somebody say centered on Jesus. Centered on Jesus. I'm going to turn to, we're going to read Luke 10, and we're going to read chapter, um, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. It says this. Then, just then, a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his disciple, his doctrines. He posed this question. Teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? 
Jesus replied, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? The religious scholar answered and says, it states you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. I love this, this translation, the way it puts it. You must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. Jesus said that is correct. Now go do exactly that and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? <laughs> and Jesus re replied, listen and I will tell you. There was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. <clears throat> they beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion, somebody say tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him first aid, gave him first aid, pouring oil, olive oil on his wounds, dis disinfecting them with wine and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an end. <coughs> then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning he took his own money, somebody said own money, from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. Man, give me chills. So now you tell me which of the three men saw the wounded man who saw the wounded man prove to be the true neighbor. The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Jesus said, you must go and do the same as he. Another scripture I want to bring to your attention, I got to find it here, is... Uh, Sorry. I didn't put it in my notes. But it's Matthew 25 and 40. And it says in Matthew 25 and 40. So Jesus is talking to them, and well, I'm going to read 31. I'm going to read a few verses. It says, When the Son of Man comes into his glory and all the holy angels with him, um, then he will sit on, his throne, on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one another as shepherd divides his sheep from goat. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on the left hand. Then he will say those two on his right hand, Come, you blessed them. Uh, you blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world 
Listen to this. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Listen to this. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison or, and, and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. If you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Let's pray right quick. Lord, thank you for what you're going to say. Just be in this room in Jesus' name. Amen. The parable of the Good Samaritan is a uh, didactic story told by Jesus in Luke chapter 10. It's about a traveler uh, who may or may not have been a Jew, but what we know is he's stripped of his clothing, he's beaten, and he's left half dead alongside the road. First there's a priest, and then there's a Levi that comes by, and both of them choose to avoid this man. Finally, a Samaritan comes by, and the Samaritan uh, helps this man. What you got to understand here, though, is that the Samaritans and the Jews of this time despised each other. They hated each other. But the Samaritan helps this injured man, who's probably a Jew. Portraying a Samaritan in a positive light would have come as a shock to the audience that Jesus was talking to. It is a, 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 it's, it's really a typical and provo provocative speech um, in which Jesus, he, he, he takes the conventional expectations and he inverts them. He, he takes his target audience, the, uh, uh, the Jews, and he knows they hated the Samaritans to such a degree that the lawyer's phrase in this, in this story, actually the, the lawyer labeling the Samaritan as the one who had mercy on him was his reluctance to even say the word Samaritan. This is how much they despise each other, Right? And then the Samaritans, in turn, they hated the Jews. Tensions were very high in, the, in, this, in this decade, in the, in the early decades of the first century, because the, uh, the Samaritans pretty much had destroyed and, and, and desecrated the Jewish temple at Passover uh, with human bones. They basically just messed it all up. So who are the Samaritans? The Samaritans, they are despised by the Jews because they were known as half-breeds, or half, they were half-Jewish or half-Gentile, right? Half-Jewish and half-Gentile. Uh, they adopted pagan gods, and they fell into idolatry. They caused drama. Somebody say drama. They, listen to this. The Samaritans poured pig's blood in the temple... <laughs> In the temple floor. 
They were drumming, just drumming by. You know how to make somebody, you, you know how we do stuff just to make somebody mad? I wonder who came up with that idea. You know what I'm going to do today. We're going to take this pig blood. We're going to pour it on the floor at the temple. Let's get this done. <laughs> they poured pig's blood on the floor. And then uh, when the Jews tried to rebuild the temple, they, uh, they, they did it again. Like they were just messy, drama, straight up being petty. It should have been called petty Samaritans. You know what I'm saying? Like they were being petty. The Jewish people wouldn't even walk into Samaria because they believed that the Samaritans were unclean. And the Samaritans hated the Jews. The lawyer here, uh, and this scripture was an expert in the laws of God. And so, so when we when we dive into the scripture, Jesus is literally uh, he's he's kind of offending his audience. He doesn't really care. It would be kind of like me today talking about, I'm not going to say it, but you already know. If I was to talk about Biden in, in a positive light, I would offend a lot of Christians for some reason. I don't understand that. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all just clicked off. You just hung up. You gone. This will be as simple as that. This will be me talking about how, how, the, 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 how President Biden is going to, he offered hope and he won the election and how, we're not going to get into it. I'm just not going to go there. Because I already see that people make it, they just get mad, right? But you get what I'm saying? This will be equivalent to that. This will, this will be Jesus knowing his audience and talking about something that's going to offend them. Which, I, I will say this, as a preacher and as pastors, you got to learn how to be bold in talking about what you need to talk about. And not worry about offending the folk that are going to get offended. Because here's the reality, everybody's going to get offended. They just all, just, it's just natural. People like to be offended for some reason. We woke up this morning. I want to be offended. I'm going to go to church, see if my pastor offends me. And we don't. Some, you know, a lot of us don't. But, 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 but here's the reality. Jesus knew his audience, and he spoke directly to a pain, a tension area, a pain area. I love that I have a Savior who knows me, but will speak directly to the areas of my life where there's tension and where he needs to say what he needs to say. And he's not worried about how I feel and what's going to happen and if I'm going to be upset because he understands if I don't speak to that pain or that tension in you, it'll never change. Somebody say it'll never change. Some of us need to take this year and you need to repent for all the stuff that you did last year. All that nastiness, all the mess that you created online and everything. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Hateful. Calling yourself a Christian. Mm. Keep going, Pastor Fred. 
And so as, as I began to ask the Lord about this year, and he was talking about, he said, I wanted to be centered on Jesus. First of all, if it's going to be centered on Jesus, we are going to have to deal with the issues that we know that are holding us back. It is very difficult to say that we're moving forward and that we're going to do what God calls us to do if we hate our neighbor. If we don't love people unconditionally, if we don't, if we don't lay aside our, our, nas- our, our, our own feelings and accept God's word. So as I begin to pray about today, I begin to ask the Lord, what does this mean for us? And, and looking at the scripture, how does this mean? Because Jesus said, if you do it unto the least of these, you're doing it to me. So if we're going to be centered on Jesus, if everything's going to be centered on Jesus, then our mind has to focus and re, we have to flip the script, so to speak, and realize that it's not that we do it for the church. We do it for the people, the community. We do it for our neighbor. Jesus said, love God with all your heart. And then he said, the second commandment is just like the first. Love your neighbor, as, as this uh, translation put it, as well as yourself. We are not, let me tell you something, church. We are not going to be influential in this year if we don't begin to love people like we love ourselves. I think for the most problem, for most of us, we don't love ourselves. But we ain't going to go there today. Mm, oh, Jesus. <laughs> let, me get my, let me get my preach on in a minute. It's going to come on. You're going to play that organ. Anyways. <laughs> um, if we're going to be centered on Jesus, if we're going to actually be centered on Jesus, the first thing I feel like God said to me, He said, We got to get our hands dirty. Somebody said, Get our hands dirty. Now, I know you don't want to hear that in the era of coronavirus. Nobody wants to hear, get your hands dirty. But you need to get your hands dirty. Come on, somebody. I ain't talking about the little 20 seconds you need to wash your hands after playing in dirt and going to the store and driving your own car for some reason. But you need to get your hands dirty. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about reaching out to people that we know, that we know need a word from God. What if, what if we were people of action? What if we didn't just talk? What if we, we knew a need and we showed up and met the need? What if we knew somebody was struggling or hurting and we showed up and we were the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? What if we got our hands dirty? I wrote this down, and I say this a lot. It said, when religious duties and rules keep, uh, keep us... Uh, well, we're, religious duty and rule keeping becomes the prohibitor to kingdom work. We miss the opportunity to change lives. So listen, in Jewish culture, contact with a dead body was understood to be defining. Right? Priests were particularly, uh, were particularly enjoined to, to avoid uncleanliness. The priest and the Levite Therefore, may have assumed that this fallen traveler was dead and avoided him to keep themselves ritually clean. By their religious duties, they were doing what they were supposed to do. Avoid him, keep on moving, 
You don't want to get, you know, richer than clean. Now listen to this though. On the other hand though, uh, the, decept- the, the depiction of them traveling downhill from Jerusalem to Jericho indicates that their temple duties had already been completed. So this makes this explanation less likely. And they made an exception for a neglected corpse. The priest and the Levi could have used the law to justify touching the corpse and ignoring it. And they could have used it to ignore it. In any case, they chose to pass on the other side and they didn't avoid, uh, and avoid checking altogether whether this man was alive or dead. They could have checked to see if this man was dead or alive and they didn't. They chose to keep their religious duty and avoid an opportunity to change a life. Hear me, hear me. 2021 is not the time for you to keep your rules and your regulations and your religious duties and avoid being able to change the lives of people around you. It's time for us this year to get our hands dirty. Yes, I said that. Get your hands dirty. It's time this year. We are not going to avoid. Oh, well, them, them people over there, they just, you know, we don't want them coming to our church. Or, I don't want to, you know, if you did this, I don't know if it's this and this and that. Did you, who'd you vote for? All this, you, are you liberal? Are you concerned? I don't give a crap about all, listen. Sorry. <laughs> she looked at me like, boy, you better chill out. Lord have mercy. Y'all gotta help me. Felt like I was in the traffic jam. I'm on all I'm saying <laughs> is we got to get our hands dirty. We, we got to stop. Listen, all these stipulations that we got to be Christians and followers of Christ has got to go. People need to hear the gospel and we need to be bold and courageous enough to get out there and to share the good news of what Jesus has done. The other thing if we're going to be centered on Jesus and the Lord spoke this to me, he said, you got to take risk through selfless action, loving unconditionally. Somebody say, take risk. Say, take risk. This is almost kind of like getting your hands dirty, but not. Because some of us, you know, we get our hands dirty for a little bit. But there comes a certain point where, you know, I don't know if I want to be. You know? The Lord's when we say, no, Fred, this year, this year, I want prevail to take risk. I want the people of prevail, and I want the people that you have uh, influence with, uh, and the people that, that you have, uh, uh, that you can speak to, I want them to live with selfless action. I want them to take risks through selfless, I want them to love unconditionally. Listen to this, compassion breeds courage. The Samaritan took a risk, he took a chance, 
and he took what could have been considered a loss, but it was all courage. It was all courage. See, in the time of Jesus, the road from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho was notorious for being dangerous and difficult. It was also known, it was, all, it was known, it was nicknamed the way of blood because of the blood which was often shared there, uh, shared there by robbers. They would, they would rob people and, 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 and would harm them. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in his I've Been to the Mountaintop speech on the day before death described this road as the father. Listen to this. He said, I remember when Mrs. King and I were first in Jerusalem. We rented a car and drove from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And as soon as we got that on that, uh, got on that road, I said to my wife, I can see why Jesus used this setting for his, par- for his parable. It's winding, me- uh, it's a winding, meandering road. It's really conducive for ambushing. You can start out in Jerusalem, which is about 1,200 feet above sea level. And by the time you get down to Jericho, 15 or 20 minutes later, you're about 22 feet below sea level. That's a dangerous road. This is what Martin Luther King said. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the, as the bloody pass. And, and you know, it's possible that the priest and the Levi looked over to that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or is it possible that they left the man to the, on the ground, uh, that the man left on the ground was merely faking and he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them and overthrow them, lure them in. And, and he wanted to quickly rob them. And so that's the first question that the priest asked and the first question that the Levi asked. If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? This is, this is what Martin Luther King said. He said, but, but he continued, he said, but then God, but then the good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. He said this, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Hear this, we got to take a risk and we got to be selfless. We got to ask the same question the Samaritan answered. If I don't stop, if I don't do anything, what's going to happen to my people? If I don't stop to help this man, what's going to happen to him? If I, don't, if I don't heed the voice of the Lord when I'm in the grocery store and he says to buy a person groceries, what's going to happen to them? If I don't heed the voice of the Lord when he says to pick up a phone and call a family member, what's going to happen to them? If I don't heed the voice of God when he speaks to me and tells me to do what he asked me to do, what's going to happen? Somebody say, take a risk. We got to learn how to take a risk. People are like, well, I don't know if I want to, you know, I don't know if I'm really hearing from God and this and that. You know when God's speaking to your heart telling you to call somebody, just pick up the phone, call them. Stop being so scared. Come on. You know when God is asking you to, 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 to pull out your wallet and bless somebody, don't be scared, do it. You know when God's asking you to challenge that friend that you know is struggling with certain things and, and you, he needs some accountability, do it. Take a risk. Take a risk. Take a risk. 
This is the year where we're going to take a risk. And then, and then finally, I wanted to say this. This is the year where we're going to put it all on the table. Somebody say put it on the table. We sang that song just before this, this message that I have a seat at the table. I know who I am. And we say I'm loved by you and, and, and we are accepted. And because we are accepted, it is this year, this is the time where we are to put it all on the table. Hear me, listen to me. God has not invited us to his table so we can hide our issues. Mephibosheth, you're at the table, and the Bible says that he was still lame in his feet, which means, indicates that his issue didn't change, but his position did. Listen to me, hear me. We are fully accepted. We are fully approved by God. We have everything that we need. We've been invited to the table, and it's time for us to put it all on the table. This year, I don't want to be in community with people who keep holding back. No, if you're struggling, let's tell each other that we're struggling. If we're, if we're needing help, let's tell each other that we're needing help. If we need to walk with you through a storm, let's tell each other so we can walk through it. If you're having a good day, tell us. If you're having a bad day, tell us. If God's blessing you, be vocal. This is the year to put it all on the table. Put it all on the table. It's time to put it all on the table. See, we've been called to tear down strongholds in this community. We've been called to attack the system, the system of religious thinking, this religious duty, the system of law that keeps us bound. We're here to tell people the good news, the grace and mercy of God, the, the full acceptance and love of a Savior. We're breaking down this religious system. This is what we've been called to do. It's centered on Jesus. We've been called to call everyone back to the heart of worship, back to the heart and the feet of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save, not our works, not our good deeds. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that can change the hearts of people and men. He's the only one that can reach out and bring the, 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 massive, the, the masses in. He's the one. I don't care what kind of structure we put around it. If Jesus is not the center, it doesn't even matter. It could be a house church movement. It could be a large movement. If Jesus is the center, he will get the glory. And that's what matters. This is our year. This is the year. This is our year. And it's time. Whew. I'm going to tell you all something, man. I've been, I've been excited about this year. I'm breaking up my, opening my words, breaking open my Bible, and it's like the revelation just jumping off the page at me. And I don't know what happened. 
Because I'm going to be honest with y'all, last year there was part of a year where it was a struggle preparing a message. But as I begin to sit and I begin to pray, it's like the words were jumping off the page and God's like, we go, this is going to be the year, boy. It's just time to get it on. It's time to get it popping up in here. You like that? You're like, oh, snap. That's old school, dog. You probably say something new. I don't know. I'm still, I'm so old at this point in my life. Aaron's like, yeah, right. We're called to, to break strongholds in this, in this community. We're called to break down the system of religious duty, the system of the law, and to share this gospel of grace and peace, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of full acceptance, the gospel of approval. Martin Luther King said this, he said, on the one hand, we are called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside. But that will be the only, that will be only an initial act. One day we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women would not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It's not a haphazard or superficial. It's not, it is not haphazard or superficial. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. I love it. What is he saying? We got to deal with the system. The system that has produced faithless people, fearful people. We got to deal with the system. Got to deal with the system. And we're going to this year. It's going to happen. Because we're going to be centered on Jesus. Somebody say centered on Jesus. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.